Welcome along to 20 Minute Topic, I'm Marcus Stead and I'm joined as usual by veteran campaigner and blogger Greg Lance Watkins. Will Britain still have a royal family in 20 years' time? How has the recent behaviour of Harry and Meghan undermined the institution? And what do we make of the Queen being dragged into the Brexit process? Greg, I'm of the view that the royal family, as an institution, is safe for as long as the current Queen is alive. I think that when the Queen inevitably passes on in the next 10 to 15 years, there will be a coronation ceremony for Charles around about a year later, but within a decade or so of that, calls for a republic will get much louder. I'm not sure. Um, I don't think it's one of those things we can double guess. The reason being that calls for a republic have been hung over everyone's head for many years. However, when it comes to the crunch, much as the Churchillian saying of regarding democracy, that our democracy in Britain was far from perfect, but it was the best form of government that we know. We have the problem with republican concepts, is look around the world at every other republic. As soon as you've got a republic, you have an overly important stuffed shirt in the job who assumes to themselves all sorts of powers that were never intended. I think, for example, you look at what's gone on with, um, particularly during the Sarkozy years in France, we can see exactly what you're talking about. But I would say this, um, and this is a sort of warning, if you like, to, to the royal family, in that the Queen's example since the early 1950s She's trod the line very well in terms of not getting involved in politics. She has not caused any embarrassment in her personal life. There have not been any significant gaffes or missteps on her part. But then you look at the family around her and it's a different story. The 1990s were a particularly bad decade with, what, three of her four children getting divorced We're seeing now that we can't talk too much about what's going on with Prince Andrew at the moment, but that is clearly causing a lot of embarrassment. Prince Edward has caused embarrassment in the past with some of his behaviour. Think back to It's a Royal Knockout in the late 1980s. Princess Anne, I know people who've had dealings with Princess Anne and have been very impressed with her. She has, I think, struck a good balance between not taking herself too seriously and leading a life of charity and duty. But what we're seeing now is... You take Prince, right, Prince Charles, for example, we know all about the ball that's gone on there with Diana and Camilla and everything else. I think that the younger generation and, dare I say it, the middle-aged generation of royals have not really followed the Queen's example. I think the big breakdown came uh, when we had what, what I always considered to be a complete um, mistake. The, con- the age of the royal soap opera... Uh, The danger of turning them into a soap opera uh, is that people realise that they're fairly human, they've got feet of clay, and they have some very visible defects. Um, Now, the Queen is of that older generation where she hid emotion. She is an absolute workhorse. Uh, This is a woman who starts her work for our country 
before she even gets out of bed in the morning, reading the immediate briefs. Um, her uh, staff, having read all the newspapers, cut out and highlight the items that she is to read and she needs to know about, basically forming a scrapbook out of all of the newspapers for the day. She goes through that. She then gets up, and if she isn't having breakfast with um, her husband, though she tends to have breakfast with him every day where possible, she is reading court papers from one of her two red boxes. She, I understand, tends to have breakfast in her dressing gown. Uh, she then repairs to um, bathe or shower or whatever and uh, dress rather more formally um, and other staff are admitted afterwards but she then continues until at least midday working on the reports and papers of the day when you add to that the number of visits she does and charitable charitable events and um, sophisticated versions of ribbon cutting she has a prodigious workload yeah and this is extraordinary for for anyone, but particularly somebody who's well into their 90s to still be working in that way. And I think what we can say is for a very large number of people in this country, a lot of people have no meaningful recollection of anybody else being king or queen. But I touch on what you were saying there about the soap opera. And it's hard to put a start date on this. It's easy to say, oh, it began with Charles and Diana, but that's not really true, is it? Because you can talk about what went on with Princess Margaret going back to the 1960s. Or, again, I just said a moment ago, I I do have a respect for Princess Anne, but you look at what she went through in the 1970s and so forth. But where I think there's a danger nowadays is this. And... We see every time there's OK or Hello magazine, it's either, as they're known, Kate or Meghan or both on the front cover. And I think a lot of young British people regard the royals, Kate, Meghan, William, Harry, they do care, but they care in the same way they care about the Kardashians and the Beckhams. They don't understand the role of the crown in our constitution or the life of duty that royals traditionally gave themselves over to. They have little understanding, many of them, of the idea of duty in any aspect of life. Um, They call their teachers by their first names, um, have casualized everything, and their own lives are becoming a misery of trying to keep up with fairly fatuous electronic communications where everybody is expected to be interested in what everybody had for breakfast, when, frankly, who gives a damn? Well, yeah, because the the one social media platform I won't go anywhere near is Instagram, because I don't think my day-to-day life is all that interesting, that I need to share photos of it with complete strangers every single day. Um, I put little bits and pieces on Facebook if for people who actually know me or might be interested in what I'm up to. But yeah, that, that I do take on board what you're saying there about the, the sort of hollow lifestyles a lot of young people are leading. But I think it's partly to do with the state of the education system in this country and 50 years of comprehensive education. Most young British people and even middle-aged British people don't know much British history beyond the Romans, the Tudors, Hitler 
and they couldn't tell you anything in between. And they don't know that the background to the royal family and how their role has evolved over the years from one of ruling to one of reigning, R-E-I-G-N, for those who are wondering, is how you spell that word. The role of the royal family has obviously changed in that time, but I don't think many people, particularly the young, understand the constitutional implications of it. I think there has been a dedicated effort for at least 50 years um, to make sure that um, British school children are effectively made to feel guilty about their own glorious history. Uh, I really cannot see that we have had, until of course Tony Blair, uh, any period in our history uh, where we should be in anything but proud of it. The slave um, trade? The slave trade was firstly um, endemic globally and part of history. But that doesn't make it right. Um, n- nor does eating endangered mammoths. But you cannot judge situations out of the context of history. Your own family had dealings with the royal family and met the Queen, I believe. What was your family's experience of meeting her and how did, the, how did they find it as an experience? They were always charming. Um, it became apparent when you had met them a few times that um, your astonishment at them remembering who, who the W were um, the first time. Was the Queen now? Or? Most of them actually are superb at remembering. Hmm. Granted, they probably have a certain amount of prompting but they would immediately drop into something that pertained to you in conversation. Margaret was absolutely charming. I remember one occasion, um, I was in the Northwest Highlands and she made a visit and the press were there and we were going down to the sea cliffs where we had youngsters on adventure training and it was a very muddy path and I put my hand back to assist her down this muddy path. And she said, she, without moving her mouth, she said, no, no chance. And as she pulled up alongside me again, she said, it's better for the press to have a picture of the princess sitting in the mud, having slipped, than holding the hands of an eligible young man. <laughs> Well, I'm not, I'm not entirely surprised to hear that because, again, we think about people like Princess Anne. It's like she famously appeared on the, the quiz programme A Question of Sport in the 1980s and Emmeline Hughes, the team captain, put his arm around her and that caused a degree of, of controversy at the time. But if you watch that programme in its entirety, what comes across in that is Princess Anne's sense of fun and her sense of humour. And she's a far less stuffy person than people might have, might have thought. But I know people myself who've met the Queen in private and have said that away from the limelight and so forth, she's a very good conversationalist, she puts you at ease and it's not anything like as formal or as stuffy as you think it's going to be. And to be fair, the the royal family in those days had an absolutely wicked sense of humour. They were were very much um, in jokes around the table um, for instance, don't forget that Princess Hammond was married to uh, a chap and his name uh, was Foggy to everybody. And uh, it was not for a very long time that people could 
understand why he was called Foggy. And it was because Prince Philip had said that he was wet and intensely dense. Um, and I must admit, I wouldn't disagree with that. He was quite pleasant, but he I, he was at Sandhurst at the same time as I was. Who are we talking about now? Princess Anne's first husband. Mark Phillips. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and yes, he was, he was quite pleasant. Um, he was quite well healed and fairly eligible. Um, but he was no towering genius. Um, but the one thing that the two of them had in common was horses. And he rode and, uh, I don't know if he's still doing it, but he used to lay out um, cross-country courses and the like um, as a hobby, and I, I believe it then moved on to being a job after he left the army and um, after the marriage. Do you think that when Charles becomes king, he's going to succeed in putting his political and personal views to one side? Because... I, I do have a lot of time for Charles insofar as he has unfashionable opinions. I'm very sorry that the Green Lobby has got to him, but at over 70 years of age, and he could be nearer 80 by the time he becomes king, do you think that's going to be something he's either able or willing to do? Trod the same apolitical line that his mother has done for all these decades? I think his only hope of not destroying the royalty... Um, after his fairly shameful performance with Diana. Um, understandable, but shameful. Um, the problem was that Diana never had her job properly explained to her. Um, and she was young, had come out of very close chaperonage as the eligible wife for the prince. There were about 10 of them who were lined up all in flats, and she was one of the ones who hadn't blotted her copybook. Because let's face it, anyone much older would have had a track record of ex-boyfriends all too damn ready to sell the story to the sun. Well, yes, and you also had the issue of Mountbatten in the 1970s trying to set Charles up with various women with not much success. Um, but do you, do you think then Charles can be a non-political king? Do you think he's got that in him? I think he has sufficient common sense to know the best thing he can do is shut up. Now that moves us on then to the situation of William and Kate. And what we see there, I would say for the most part, Kate has settled into the role well. Um, the Duchess of Cambridge, this is to use the formal title, but to use the Hello and OK magazine line, William and Kate. When the time comes... I am a bit concerned because William, whenever I hear him make a speech, trips up over his words. I think Kate has settled into the role well, though there are things that concern me, like, for example, in the London 2012 Olympics, uh, when they were in the velodrome and um, the British team beat the Australian team. Um, and they, they were jumping around and hugging each other, William and Kate. And I think, you know, you've got to remember, you're going to be king and queen of Australia one day, perhaps, unless Australia becomes a republic, which is also quite likely. They, they've got to be aware of these things. And now the queen, there's no way in a million years she would ever have done a thing like that. But it's something the younger ones have to be aware of, their role and their status and how fragile it really is. Harry has gone down a very unconventional route. Now, I, I will defend his 
right to choose the wife he wants to be with. I think everyone should have that right, regardless of who you are. But he's gone for an older woman who has been married before. I'm not going to talk about the racial element, because as far as I'm concerned, that is not an important thing. But what concerns me is there's a lot of double standards. Now, people have said to me in the past, people who've had minor dealings with Megan, oh, she's a gobby actress, you'll see, she'll cause embarrassment and so on. But what we are seeing is they'll think nothing of lecturing us on climate change and the need to change our ways. And yet they'll hire private jets here, there and everywhere. I think they can undermine the reputation and the dignity of the institution of the royal family by the way they have been behaving even in the last week or so. I can understand how you feel. However, do remember, he is nobody. He's the umpty-umpt in line for the throne now, uh, because his brother is the head of that queue. Uh, his brother's children come next. That leaves Harry out in the cold. He is a minor royal. Um, as for the situation with Harry, Harry and Meghan, well, it's unfortunate that they have become known by their Christian names rather than by more respectfully by their surnames and or their titles. However, they have been doing sterling work in terms of charity. I don't agree with some of their charities, but that is their choice. Um, I definitely don't agree with their, um, in my opinion, barking mad concepts of uh, mankind being responsible for climate change, um, for which the science is not just wobbly, um, it's next best to non-existent. As to the hypocrisy that you mentioned, I'm not sure it's all that hypocritical. They have duties to perform. They have to travel a great deal. They have to return uh, to their small child when they haven't taken them with them. Uh, they are using uh, aeroplanes, um, which is probably considerably less environmentally damaging than borrowing carbon fiber yachts from billionaire businessmen who've probably made the money out of exploiting the planet. Um, let's stick with flying. It's going to continue. No one has really proved that it is hugely damaging. Nothing like as damaging as dumping loads of rubbish and plastics into the ocean uh, and they're going to have to travel for their job is that hypocritical or service to our country one final aspect then as we bring this discussion to a close at the moment more than at any time in her reign the queen is being dragged into politics because of what's gone on with brexit and the prorogation and i think she's played her part in all this brilliantly partly based on experience partly on doing what she's always done, which is take advice. How can she keep out of politics in what could be a highly precarious month for this country ahead? It's been a matter of almost desperation of the European Union to drag her into politics. They've failed. And despite the assistance of the opposition in Parliament, who would prostitute themselves to any madcap idea just to get power for themselves. The Queen has done a brilliant job of steering a brilliant course 
through very troubled waters. We can but hope that Charles, when he inherits that duty, will acquit himself with 10% of the ability of his mother. And I think William will have reached the stage where he will be able to inherit, hopefully, quite rapidly from his father, who I would hope would have a sound excuse for standing down after a period of a reasonable period of time. That time being used by William to mature to the role. I have faith in the future of the, the crown. I think it will change in nature, uh, but for heaven's sake, can you imagine um, Britain with what a president, who would we end up with? President Blair? President Corbyn? President Kinnock? Perish the thought. Or a ceremonial president in the mould of what Ireland has had, but we'd probably end up with Stephen Fry, wouldn't we? Uh, I can't imagine which is worse. I think Greg and I agree that the royal family is far from perfect, but it beats all the other alternatives you can think of. Thanks for listening. See you next week. Mm-hmm.